This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. Jared Allen and Scott Hansen join us today. Awesome show. I know I say awesome show every single episode, but this is particularly awesome. I mean it this time. Um, very quick monologue on the draft quarterbacks, Caleb Williams and Drake May. Uh, I'm going to have a deeper draft preview next week. We'll have some QB experts to actually tell you what's going on with the tape. Um, but I want to talk about the conversation around these two guys, which has been a little bit ludicrous, starting with a piece a couple of weeks ago where a scout said that Caleb Williams was peak Aaron Rodgers. Um, and then after this weekend, after Caleb Williams loses to Notre Dame, now we're kind of going in the opposite direction. There was a great Bruce Feldman observation from a scout that said basically he's trying to hit a, a five-run homer every at-bat, which is seems true. Um, but I would just ratchet down in every direction the hyperbole. Um, I think that, first of all, my problem with the projection, I don't have a problem with the actual prospects here, but like both Drake May and Caleb Williams excel when they have a million years to throw, which will happen in the NFL if they get into the right situation. But it's really hard. And we've seen it with prospects. You're playing a different sport when you have that kind of time to throw and can make all your reads, sit back there, bounce in the, on the balls of your feet and, and make the throw. The NFL is completely different. And that's why it's hard for me. On the other direction, I, I before the season, I was watching Caleb Williams. I was like, man, he's taking a while to throw. I'm going to look at some of the great prospects and see what they had. And Mahomes and Caleb Williams had the exact same time until throwing their last year of college. 3.53 for Caleb Williams last year. Mahomes 3.53 via PFF his last year at Texas Tech. So it's not to suggest anything except this whole thing is hard. And the idea that, like someone said to me the other day, would you rather have Kyler plus two top 10 picks for the Cardinals, but not the first or second pick, or would you rather have Caleb Williams? You know what I'm taking? I'm just going to take in that spot, Kyler plus, I don't know, Joe Walt plus Marvin Harrison. That to me is the safer bet in a league where quarterback, we do quarterbacks all this, this discourse all the time. Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be a generational prospect. He's really good. Is he ever going to be a top three quarterback in the NFL? Not anytime soon. Um, geography is destiny with, with college quarterbacks going to the pros and you get in these situations. So um, I'm officially out on basically anything scouts say for the next six months. Um, it'll be overanalyzed. We'll have some experts on here to actually talk about the strengths and weaknesses of the top two quarterbacks and some of the other sleepers. Obviously, Michael Penix has made a leap. Riley Leonard has made a leap, although his, his ankle injury is kind of sidetracked that right now. So that's where we're at right now. Um, my, my new thing, don't believe anything you read from scouts, uh, about the quarterbacks right now, because I, I kind of think that, um, I kind of think that there's a little bit of, uh, of, of everyone just kind of trying to get attention right now. Um, we, we got a long way to go with this quarterback prospect thing, and we, we don't know nearly enough. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code OMAHAFULL and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, you keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only must wager with eligible promo code BET. 
amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. All right, Jared Allen is here, one of the best pass rushers of his generation. He just got out of carpool line. What was going on in the carpool line, Jared Allen? Oh, just pick up. You want to pick up? Got to got to pick one kid up from lower school, the other kid from middle oh. school, and it's uh, it's chaos. You know, too many people moving to the uh, greater Nashville area, causing uh, too many traffic issues. It's exploding. Nashville's full, guys. Stop going. Stop ah, having bachelorette yeah. parties there. Like I go there, and I can I can't move around. Yeah, we moved to Nashville about I guess almost seven years ago. And if people would have told me the chaos that was ensuing, I wouldn't have uh, would have chose a different different spot. I thought it was going to be <laughs> low key, chill. I mean, I think Nashville's double just in the six years, seven years we've been here. Um, I hear that. So yeah, you know what? Seems it seems that this this is the hot new spot to be. It's the hot <laughs> spot. Um, all right, we'll start out with this. You obviously dominant pass rusher when you played. Uh, it feels like the pendulum is swinging more towards defenses this year. Um, and we're seeing guys like Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Micah Parsons had a nice little comeback game after a couple of uh, of disappearances over the last couple of weeks. Um, we'll start it out here. Uh, what pass rushers in particular have impressed you over the first six weeks of the season, Jared? You know what? I got to say, my, my, of this new generation, our guys, Miles Garrett's probably my favorite, you know, um, I just think he reminds me of, to be honest, he reminds me a lot of Julius Peppers. He's got the innate ability to pretty much do whatever he wants when he wants. And so I think it just kind of comes down to, you know, his his desire and he shows it, you know, week in and week out. I mean, he's, he's a four down guy. There was, there's so many specialists these days which drive yep. me nuts too, right? I think, and I, I like the fact that he spends a lot of his time playing on the right side, to be honest. He's constantly going up against the best. You know, I know he bounces around a little bit. Yeah, of course. Um, but I mean, I think all those guys you listed are are phenomenal, right? Uh, you know, I got to watch the Steelers Raiders game, and I saw you know TJ Watt. He's down there with one of my old coaches, Coach Dunbar, um, and they rave about his his work ethic and 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 how hard he, he you know he puts in there. Again, I'd like to see him on the right side. He sticks to the left side solely, <laughs> but I will give him credit. As he, I think he does a great job in that three four type hybrid system where he can put his hand down. But you see him making plays as a linebacker. So a lot of these you know three four linebackers are solely rush guys. Yeah. They don't actually make football plays, you know what I mean? And so I, I appreciate guys that are on the field every down making plays. I mean, look at Parsons last night. You know, like you said, didn't really do much in the game. And then when they needed him the most, yep. he comes through. And that's that's what this game is about. And I know he moves around a lot, but when you're that good and you have that much attention to you, right, it's even that 
it's even that that just it just elevates you to another level when you can get it done, right? Because guys like you know uh, Parsons, guys like Watt, guys like Garrett, uh, guys like Bosa, all these guys that got you know targets on their back. Everybody knows who they are. The ability to get to the quarterback year after year after year at a high level just shows you know how good you actually are because you know anybody can do it once when no one knows who you are. Uh, right. It's the ability to to take on the best week in and week out and continue to produce is what I think you know makes in my mind at least how I evaluate guys uh, is the consistency of how you can do it. You know, it's interesting. Dominic Foxworth was on the show earlier this week, and we talked a little bit about this generation of defenders and how they grew up playing modern football and they have modern, you know, it's it's not just the ability to be an Uber athlete and train differently and you know, even have the offseason training now where they go to Arizona and, and all that stuff, do best on best, you know, 11 months out of the year or whatever it is. Um, but it feels like this generation of pass rushers, they're more athletic, they're more refined. You mentioned some of them are specialists, but then you have the Miles Garretts of the world who were just absolute freaks. I'm curious if you've noticed anything about this generation of pass rushers um, that's different than than the others as far as just the speed, the size, um, the way they play, the schemes, the way they're matched up with, with tackles that stands out to you, Jared. Well, I, I, I honestly think the offensive tackle play isn't the same yes. as what it used to be. I think with all these RPO systems and with these these quarterbacks and the way the offenses are built these days, the offensive line is not what it what it used to be. And I think that's where you see guys, you know, that are decent stand out, right? They look like they look like they're the uh Walter Joneses and the Willie Rose right. of the world sometimes. And you're like, <laughs> they're they're not, right? And then you right. watch Bill Money, you realize they're not. I just think the way the offensive style play is different with with the, with the mobility of quarterbacks, you don't have to have offensive line that can block you know, as true as they as they used to. Uh, now, with that said, what I'm seeing, you know, I'm doing some uh, consulting work with the Broncos, and we got some good young rushers over there, right? Uh, Nick Benito, um, you know, Baron Brownie's coming off injury, yeah. and Jonathan Cooper and stuff like that. And, like, you get a guy like Nick Benito, his speed reminds me of, like, a Dwight Freeney. Right? Dwight Freeney was a freak with how fast he was and what he could get off of the tackles, how fast he'd get to turn the shoulders and what he could do. Um, and, and you're seeing that more often, right? Even, even, you know, you, you look, I mean, you, I mean, the top guys you mentioned are those top guys, right? Yeah. But guys like, I think, you know, Nick's got five and a half, uh, sacks after six games and, you know, for a young kid in his second year, the ability to, that's kind of what I try to teach these young guys or you, that you see how these young guys is there's so much raw talent, but in what I am seeing is what you're saying is speed. I think it's yep. like we have a faster athlete off the edge because there's this hybrid model of you know, outside linebacker, defensive end type deal. So, you know, guys are guys are playing at probably a more comfortable 245, 255. You're not seeing a 285-pound DN anymore. You know, like when I came in, we came in, I, they made me jump up from 265 to 285, and I ended up cutting down my fourth year. I played most of my career at 255. And people would have said I was a light defensive end, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think speed. I just think that's the biggest thing. I think strength – has always been there. Strength is relative, right? Because yeah. you can bench 500 pounds in the weight room and and be a complete wuss on the field. I mean, you, you see it all the time. And I would have different choice words, but I'm sure this is a family show. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing the speed of these athletes. With that, that makes it scary because if you can take that speed and you can put technique on top of it, you know, and that's what makes guys like Miles Garrett special. That's what makes guys like Watt special. You even look at, uh, you know, Max Crosby. I've got to watch some tape on him yeah. lately. And he bounces kind of like he's a little unorthodox, right? But if you look at what he does, and Chris Jones, that's another guy. I mean, he can play inside and outside. And 
what people don't give him credit for is when I, I you know, he, he's getting the sacks, he gets the numbers, so he gets all the credit he, he wants. He's a technician. You know, so many young guys make the mistake of trying everything, right? Mm-hmm. To be a true passer, you have to know what your strength is and you got to have a counter to that, right? Know what your move is, have a counter to it. That's really all you need. And, and Chris, you watch him, he beats people the same way over and over and over, which tells me he's good at setting people up. He's good at putting an offensive uh, player in, in the position for him to win, right? How he knows how to. Um, so it's fun to watch, you know, guys that, that that have that technique that can dominate in that fashion. Even guys like Miles Garrett, you know, and I think some of the top guys can even be more technically sound. I look at guys like yeah. Osa, and I think he could he could clean up some stuff technique wise, and he could I mean he could be a consistent twenty second year guy. I mean that, again, talk about another physical freak, physically gifted, and and when you're going up against tackles that aren't built to to absorb that, you know, over now offenses are faster too, right? I mean, you got a lot of three step drop. Uh, but I think that RPO game is kind of going by the wayside as well. I think it has a place, yep. but I don't think it's the standard anymore with what, again, you know, kind of how it builds. So I think that's probably why we're seeing more sack numbers, at least in early, like, I think, what is it, this week six or seven, and top guys got like eight or something like that, you know, yeah. eight or nine going into the week. I mean, guys are averaging one one a week. And so I just I just think you, what you're seeing is you're seeing kind of a shift. So, you know, guys are trying to, you know, you heard, you heard last night in the broadcast, you know, that uh, McCarthy wants to run the ball more. Right, yeah. wants to get back to a traditional style offense. Well, you got to have traditional style offense alignment to to do that. So until that catches up, I think you're going to see some of these uh, crazy athletic guys off the end get after it. And I mean, that's the answer, right? You got quarterbacks making all this money. You got guys like Mahomes dominating the league. How do you win? You have to have guys that can disrupt that, and you do that by the edge. Um, it was interesting because we saw the Jets and the Browns win with defense and basically only defense over the past yeah. couple of weeks. Um, Jalen Hurts pressure over 40% of the time. And I, I don't think this is unique to Jalen Hurts, but he's three and seven when he's pressured more than 40% of dropbacks. And he's 25 and five when he's pressured under 40% of dropbacks. And I'm curious, um, it feels a little bit like when you see some of the stats across the board, the pendulum swinging back on, on defense. And, and I'll put the question to you broadly, like, how back can defense be in this era? Has it been so neutralized by the rules and the quarterback hit rules and, and all some of those protections that can never really swing back to where it was? Or do you think that this there can be a, a happy medium where teams can can win and thrive with defense, Jared? Well, I mean, I, I think they are back from all those things you said. I think the quarterback hit rules are absolutely ridiculous this year. I mean, you saw it just the other day. Um, a pressure came through on the court. It was a third down. I remember what game it was. It was it was it was a clean hit in the chest, and they yeah. said he landed with his weight on him or something like that. It was a personal, you know, roughing the passer gives them new downs. They go down and score. Right, refs are having a direct impact on the game, and not a player safety. I mean, I'm sorry, some of these roughing the passers they are so dumb that it's not a player safety game. I mean, it it's it borderline. You, you challenge like whether you know. Are we trying to, you know, literally handicap and handcuff the defenses so we can get more points on the board? But with that said, we'll catch up, right? You cannot win by you cannot win shootouts, right? You have to play defense. You have to be able to disrupt the playmakers on offense. And so I think what you're doing is you're seeing that. I think what you're seeing is you're seeing that from an athletic standpoint, a scheme standpoint, the defenses are starting to catch back up and and starting to learn how to play through those rules, right? But you know, I would hope the NFL wouldn't wouldn't keep making rules that favor the offense, uh, because I think those games are fun to watch. Even last night's game was fun to watch because you know you're in a tight, close game. When you're, when you have blowouts, you have 
you know, all the it's one side and you don't get to see the talent on the other side. I argue that offense or defensive players, sorry, are more athletic, more talented than offensive players because of the fact that we're reactionary based, right? Yeah. So everything we do is based off a reaction of a read we get where the offense knows where they're going, right? They they know what yeah. lines they're running, they know the count, we're reaction everything. So um I'm I'm hoping we see it, we see a shift more back to that. I hope the NFL recognizes that it that's good football when you have that competitive balance like that. And um and it's exciting. You know, sacks are exciting. Interceptions are exciting. Um, it's unfortunate too. You see, like you see, like illegal contact away from the play that no yeah. bearing on the play that costs a five-yard penalty, automatic first down. Like that's a massive drive shift. But going back to Jalen Hurts on the pressures, I mean, I think that's so many coaches. It you know, because remember the players in this league have gotten younger. They've changed. The, the yeah. whole style changed. But a lot of these coaches were there when I was playing. Right. So you, the coaches need to change this different mindset. Everybody gets with an athletic quarterback and they want to say, well, we got to contain him to the pop. We got to contain him to the pop. Well, it's either, you know, my philosophy, I'm going to die with my boots on. You know, I'm going down range. If I'm going to beat me, I'm going guns and blazing. Right. So if you handicap your players, if you, if you, if you stifle them by saying they have to pressure rush, they have to run down the middle. I think, so I think what you're seeing is coaches starting to realize, you know what? Hey, Jalen Hurts is a hell of an athlete. He's got, he's going to run, but if he runs for 60, it's better than him throwing for 400. Yeah. Right. And then if he's if he's focusing on us shooting bullets at him, a guy's diving at his feet and with the athleticism of the D line and the rush guys and the backers that can now run with these guys. You know, I think what you're seeing is defense is being more aggressive because they're not afraid of giving up an explosive play if they miss or if they do, they regroup. And and I think that's how you get to them. And you're seeing you're seeing the impact. Look at the stats. Right. I remember with Michael Vick was the same, was was very similar. If you got after Vick, he had a heart. He had, he had he you know, he wasn't reading defenses as fast as like a Peyton Manning. Um, if you got after him, now he's in scramble mode, right? Yeah. So now it's just C color, place color. You're just throwing at him and eventually hopefully get him on the ground. Well, that's better than patting the ball and picking you apart for 250, you know, 300, 400 yards, whatever it is. So I think that's what you're seeing with defenses. They're saying, okay, let's take our shots. Yeah. And I would rather have him running around. If he makes a play downfield, so be it. Versus letting a guy like that be comfortable who's proven in the past, you know, in the pocket, he can sit there and throw as well. Fascinating. Um, hate to do this to our buddy, Dan Orlovsky. Uh, we love him, <laughs> but we need to get your side of the story because you chased him out of the end zone. Start to finish, what happened, Jared? Yeah, I feel like, you know, as many people ask both of us this question, I feel like him and I should have trademarked this or so. We should have something done around this, you know what I mean? He probably did. should do, probably should do a year, yearly reunions in the back of the end right? zone. Yeah. Like the um, 72 Dolphins just get together no, and pop I, champagne honestly, back there. So, you know, I was I was shocked. If I remember correctly, I think they tried to block me one-on-one with a tight end, which I already was uh. dumb. Um, and then I remember, well, and it was the funnier part about it was, I believe that that was that game. I think Kevin had like four sacks that game, right? Mm-hmm. Early, something like that. Or I don't know, he had, Kevin had me on a sack lead, right? He was already, he jumped out on me. Like mm-hmm. he had like six sacks, like literally like the first six <laughs> weeks I was playing catch up to a three technique. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And so him and I are constantly in a, in a sack battle. Right. And I think that game, he might've had three or four of that game. And, uh, just come around the corner and I watched him run out of bounds. And I just knew from previous times that I was obviously my sack and that it was a safety. I was just laughing because I was just like, in his mind, again, I don't know what he was thinking, but from my perspective, he dropped back and then he immediately ran out of bounds. And the best part, there was no, like most people know in in relation where they're out on the field. He had zero clue where he was out on the field. He's still, you know, he's still running side shuttling, right, ready to throw the ball out of bounds. And I'm like, I saw it, you know, right when I came around the edge, I'm pointing to the pointing to the line, hoping the ref blows the whistle. So it was all good fun. Um, 
And I think the best part about it is that Dan is open to, you know, being made fun of about it. He makes fun of himself about it. So it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's become an iconic one of my sacks. So it works out well. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, if you have them, if you're one-on-one against a tight end, I was going to say, maybe it's not Dan's fault, but I think it it was probably Dan's fault. Yeah. Either way, he, I just saw him take off and he would, he, you know, most times, you know, they're, they're flat. He bubbled back and, and he ran out the back of the end zone. And I think what happens is, you know, the funnier part was he didn't even realize he was back of the end zone. So he was still yeah. running and the play was over. Sorry, Dan. We had to do it to you, buddy. Um, yeah. All right. Sorry, sorry, not sorry. We've got some good burn out of it. You know what I mean? I got I I I know he has a picture of it somewhere out to sign up for him. <laughs> we'll get that going. We will get that going. Jared Allen signed photo of Dan Orlovsky stepping out of the uh, stepping out of the end zone. Perfect. <laughs> um, tell me about curling, dude. Like, I love the idea of guys having second acts in their career. They're obviously athletes, and they can do a bunch of different stuff: hand-eye coordination, physicality, the training regimen, the brain, um, the, retraining it to do other athletic endeavors. How did you get involved in this, and 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 what skill set is needed? Oh, uh, I took a bet from a buddy to try to make the Olympics when I retired. Well, actually, I took a bet to try to make a PGA Tour event, um, and my golfing game wasn't wasn't accelerating as as much as I wanted. You know, I'm stuck at like an eight handicap for like the last you know eight years. Um, but so I'm not. I don't think that's making a PGA Tour event. Not happening yet. Uh, it's not even making like a corn fairy tour event. You know? <laughs> So, yeah, so I, I kind of parlayed it into it. I'll make the Olympics at a sport. At the time, we were like, we've never, we hardly, I think we had like one medal in badminton and uh, curling. So it's like, uh, badminton seems cool, but then that looks like really physically taxing. Those guys are fast. I'm not going to lie. Those badminton players are fast. They're all over the place. Uh, so I was like, all right, well, curling. We haven't done good at curling and all that stuff. And it said, like, right on the website, it's like, most people curl in their 40s. The, the winner buys the loser a beer. And, you know, it's like, super friendly i was like that sounds nice so put, put a team together started curling uh it's a lot more physically uh demanding than you than you think right you know because when you're sweeping sweeping's tough sweeping's hard you're trying to put pressure on the broom and you're running on ice i don't know why that didn't cross in my mind like i'm gonna be running on ice like i'm super athletic or something um but i think so as an athlete I'm, I'm able to learn physical skills the mental side i mean it's chess on ice is what it is i mean it's right it's really the, the nuances are, are fascinating how how every, I mean, inch counts and matters. I mean, we uh, we had a tournament, just got back from a tournament last week and we lost in the finals and we made it to the finals because, I mean, we we outshot a guy, you know, our last rock was, you know, one inch closer to the button than, than our opponents. And uh, I think it's fun for me because it's totally outside my element, right? You don't get to use aggression to your advantage. You know, you have to sweep a rock. So physically you'll sweep a rock into and you have to come back and, and then throw a rock and that has to be so precise, right? So, you know, in that aspect, it's kind of like your golf short game, you know, it's it's about control and finesse. Um, but yeah, it, it's fun. I think and it's it's a, it's a new challenge and, uh, you know, I try not to welch on a bet. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're at it. I got, I got about a year and a half left before we make the trials. And, uh, but, but my, I just, my new team this year, we, we added a couple of new parts and um, it's kind of been ever evolving since our football guys all started. Some of them left, had kids, and COVID hit. So only a couple of us got invited to play for some other teams, and then that spun off. And me and my buddy Jason have been playing together for about four or five years now. Uh, he was a 2010 Olympian, and now I got J- uh, Rich Rudin as our skip, and then um, a couple of young kids that just came out of the uh, you know USA Juniors program. So uh, it, it's been it's been good. We got a good good season so far. Going to head over to Switzerland for a couple of tournaments here this year and wow. uh, you know, see where it's at. So we'll qual- hope we should qualify for nationals and that's our goal. Win a national title and then uh, see what happens in Olympic trials. 
I love it. You're in the process. All right. Uh, we'll get you out here on this. We do a thing called badasses. One thing I've found in hosting shows like this is that guys love talking about their teammates and their tough teammates. There's always a guy they played with where it could have been playing through injury. It could have been, um, you know, Mike Tannenbaum was on the show two weeks ago. and talking about Damian Woody finishing a game with a blown Achilles, like guys like that. It doesn't have to be that. Um, it could just be a guy who just was just a complete menace on the field. Doesn't matter. Biggest badass you ever played with Jared Allen. Oh, I, I got a, I got a laundry list. And I've played with probably like four or five hall of famers. Yep. Um, well, I will say I got a couple stories. Well, I can give one against myself. So Willie Rofe, in my opinion, is like the greatest offensive tackle ever. And I say that because my, my rookie year, uh, Cliff knows it, but we did a drill and, you know, I hit him, locked him out. We won the drill on the defensive side. Vermeil got completely pissed off <laughs> and made us do it again, right? So I hit Willie, which I thought was harder, and locked him out. Well, that this time, Willie picked me up off the ground and my feet were like, you know, tiptoeing. I was about 275 at the time. He carried me for about three, four, five yards, dumped me on my neck, and then speared me in the back as I was trying to get up. And I realized that that's a grown man right there. And I'm going to do everything I can. I made Willie my, my best friend after that. I asked him every question in the book, and I figured if I can learn how to beat Willie Rofe, I'll have a successful career. Um, and then oh my story, God. This is one of the greatest things ever. Uh, like I play with guys like John Browning, who I mean, just. Not a lot of, unless you're in the NFL, you know, he was probably one of the most underrated three techniques. He was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, just, and I mean, just, he's just a scary human being. He was, he was he my golf buddy. He was super nice, but he just, you know, never smiled. Just it's totally scary. Yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you a story about Steve Hutchinson. This dude, when I was with the chiefs, we had a D tackle. We we're doing one-on-ones, right? And we had a, we had a D tackle and uh, I'll leave his name out. So he doesn't get but he, he used to do this stutter, like this shake and then bull rush. And I told him, I was like, man, don't do it against this guy. I'm telling you, like, don't do it. Right. And he went to do the stutter bull rush against Steve and Steve. I mean, he didn't take but a, a half a step back, grabbed him, locked him out and lifted him up off the ground. It's the same thing. Dude. <laughs> Just stalemate <laughs> the whole crowd, the entire both teams. I was like, I, I told you. Like, I told you, what are you doing? Like, stop. But I just, I was like, for one grown man to just stop another grown man full speed and then, like, bench press him up out of the air, I was like, oh, man, this is, this is bad. This is bad. Oh, so, my uh, God. But, I mean, I, I, I was fortunate. I got to play with the, like, you know, you know Tony Gonzalez. And I look at guys yeah. from a badass standpoint from just, you know, again, dominance on the field, preparation, attitude. Uh, Ty, I mean, Ty Law. Um, again, Will Shield. I have a scar on my rib cage from where Will Shields hit me sometime. I don't know how I ended up bleeding, but I was bleeding by that at the end of the play. Uh, so, uh, you know, Brian Waters. Yeah, of course. I watched this guy, Brian Waters, came into the weight room one time and uh, he didn't show up in our season program. And, you know, and uh, he came in and, and I remember our strength coach was giving him crap for not being there. He put 500 on the on the rack. And he throws it up like four or five times on the bench press, gets out, walks out, and he goes, yeah, I think I'm good. He's like, that's what training camp is for. <laughs> training camp is for getting in shape. Um, <laughs> things like that just stick in my mind. Like I said, I, I played with some pretty awesome guys, you know, over the years. Um, you know, to Antoine Wintman, Antoine, Kevin Williams, yeah. I mean, Pat Williams. Like, I, the list goes on and on. Like I said, those are just a handful of stories. But I, I'm surrounded by some by greatness. And I think that's what – ultimately, you know, drove me to continue to try to, you know, every year to yeah. doubt myself is because when you're surrounded by greatness um, and you want to be great, then th that competition, you know, it's the old saying iron sharpens iron. And, uh, you know, 
So you, you're, you're, you're actually, when you're seeing those things, you're like, man, I need to do something. So someone will tell a story about me one day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. You know, it's funny after the draft, I had said something on our podcast on Rosillo's show about how, you know, certain guys can go to programs and they'll thrive because there are people who are around them that can show them the way. And I had a coach call me and say, you know, it's not always like linear like that. It's not, not always sunshine and rainbows. The, the 33-year-old and 34-year-old is going to help you because sometimes they're after two more paychecks. So they're after one more yep. contract that can get them the beach house or whatever. And I'm curious, um, like, what 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 the difference is um, with guys who want to help versus don't want to help and 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 kind of uh, who, who when, when there is an actual mentor, what that's like on the field with some of those, those kind of badass guys. Yeah, well, I think so. I think first of all, for like for me, when I got older, you know, I had I had great guy. I had Eric Hicks. I had Vonnie Holiday yeah. when I first got into the league, right? Yeah. Uh, so John Brown and guys like I mentioned, you know, showing showing me the ropes. Uh, guys like Tony Gonzalez, watching them from the other side, watching them out. You know, he you know, ten minutes out for every practice, right? Catching balls, running yeah. top of the very route combination. So you you see the preparation of of guys that you're like, dude, these guys are pros, right? They're all pros. They're all they're they're pro bowlers or everything I want to be. Um so you know I think from their standpoint with you know from the Sami and what I kind of how I re- return that is it's about the attitude of the person coming yeah. in, right? If a dude is highly talented and wants to learn, great. I told every guy, you know you can ask every so I tell everybody every you got three weeks in training camp every year to take my job. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, know your role and shut up and don't bitch and complain during the season because your job is to back me up and I ain't coming off the field unless, unless I have to, you know? Right. So I think, you know, so again, it's the attitude carried into it. You know, I would tell guys like Everson and B-Rob all the time, they were so physically gifted, right? But it's, it's here. So until you can, until you can study, until you can understand the defense, understand what you're looking at from an offensive line standpoint, until you can take all these pre-snap keys, right? To, then and once you have it mentally, then 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 you use your physical gifts against you know against them because I mean those guys are crazy guys like that are crazy gifted uh, and so that's, I think that's that's how you pass it on it, it's guys that want to learn it's not yeah. the guy that comes in with an expectation he's taking your job right I mean he should have that expectation but it's how you go about it it's how you it's how you work right um, you know I you know I got I learned a lot from Willie Rofe I learned a lot from Eric Hicks um, I watched a lot of film of of you know Derek Thomas I watched a lot of film of of Leslie O'Neill and and you take things that fit you know DeMarcus Ware Pep like you take things that fit right so I think um again I guess, I guess that's my exaggerated answer is that it's, yeah. it's how the young guy approaches it right if he approaches it a pro and he wants to learn I have no problem teaching him right because I'm you're still confident in your own self right and if if you lose your job you lose your job um yeah. But but I think, it, I think that's the approach. You know, a guy comes in arrogant. A guy comes in thinking he doesn't know. He knows everything. He doesn't want to be a part of the program. Doesn't want to be. You know, doesn't understand his pecking order. Because that's the big thing too. Whether whether you're the starter, I started week six. I was a rookie. I mean, back in those days, for me, it didn't matter. Rookies ran scout team. Yeah. You know, and so as a rookie, I was running ones and twos. And God bless Gary Stills because he would come in and be, like, "Hey, I got you, Jay." But he didn't have to because it was it was not expected. If you were a vet, right. you didn't. So that's the big thing. I, I would encourage young guys to to take the right attitude, take the right approach, and and then old guys, the vets will dump knowledge on you, right? And then and ask them, ask them questions, ask alignment questions, ask DBs questions. Ty Law taught me so much about you know Russian pass coverage and, and Patrick Sertan and how that works together, right? You know that that's the big deal. And and you know in the words of Brett Favre, you know it's not my job, you know, to teach Aaron Rodgers, right? right? Like, and, and and there's there's some of that mindset, so coaches have to find that balance too, right? 
Right. Coaches have to put guys and, 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 and prep those young guys. So, Hey, here's what the coach can give you. Hey, want, you need to go ask, you know, you need to go ask the old guys in the room, you know, questions about how to watch film, ask them questions, show you, show your intent of learning. And most guys will pass it on. Jared Allen, thank you for setting a new standard in badasses by having three badasses, a great story for each one of them. Nobody's taking your job in this training camp. Thanks so much for coming on the show, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, Scott Hansen joins Red Zone football czar, expert of execution within the 20-yard lines. What's going on, brother? Not much, man. How are you, Kev? Good to see you. We're, we're, I can't believe we were just saying week seven is upon us. Yes. That doesn't seem possible. And I know everyone says that during the season. It's like the off season. It says, oh, it feels like it's so far away. And then we get to the season. And then all of a sudden it's like, where, where is the first almost two months of, this, of the season gone? The one thing I've learned to appreciate as I've gotten older, now into my 30s, is bad football is still football. And so everybody goes, like, you'll watch these Thursday night games and go, oh, it's the Bears. Oh, it's the Commanders. And it's like, man... On March 13th, you're going to be begging for the Bears. You're going to be begging for the Broncos. I would watch Sean Payton coach Russell Wilson in a parking lot in June, okay? Like, that's what I enjoy now about the season, just knowing how short it is and and just savoring every snap, um, I guess you could say. Same. And and if and with that attitude, by the way, then week six, what we just saw was for you. That's exactly right. My goodness. What? offenses did, did we practice during the week did we did we lose all of our tablets with the playbook in it uh I, unbelievable i want to get to that go yeah, ahead yeah i want i would do want to get to that but i want to start with yeah. this you're from michigan okay. correct the lions fan base it's not just traveling because there's a lot of uh, michigan folks who went up on the west coast of florida which we saw in tampa on sunday as we know i'm from florida i understand the geographic patterns of, of the retirees and the transplants but I think you understand, and a lot of people in the Midwest understand, how good of a football town Detroit can be. And I think this has a real possibility to be some special stuff, very similar to what we saw with Buffalo a couple of years ago that now continues, obviously, with the Bills Mafia, though that's a little bit different. Yep. Take me through what a good Lions team would look like for not only the city of Detroit, but nationally, Scott. Well, I think we're seeing it already yeah. because I think the Lions, I mean, people do their power rankings and yep. whatnot, which of course doesn't really mean anything, except we try and like to to categorize what we think about teams after seeing five, six games of, of evidence. The Lions are a top 10 NFL team. Yes. The Lions might be a top five NFL team. They're tied for the best record in the NFL yes. right now as we speak. Right. And you yeah. are what your record says you are. But beyond that, they're they're balanced. The defense, which was atrocious three yeah. years ago, two years ago, and was trying to get better last year, has has proven to be able to complement this offense, which can strike you in any number of different ways. I know the David Montgomery issue uh, uh, injury is something that, that it's going to be an issue, but Jameer Gibbs might be coming back this week. Yep. But Jared Goff and this passing attack is diversified. Sam Laporta is way ahead of where people thought he yep. would be, even being a nice high draft pick as he was. He's looking like a bona fide NFL tight end right here in, in year one. We all know about Amon Ross St. Brown. Jamison Williams gets uh, added to the roster a couple of weeks earlier from his suspension than we thought he would. This is a diversified Lions team, and, and we all know that Dan Campbell's coaching style, when nice. it's going good, 
it, the momentum and the and the way he approaches things uh, blended into your original point of your yeah. question is they're going to blow the roof off yeah. at Ford Field at some point. I am telling you, it's it's rare. We haven't seen it a lot, but when the Lions are good, that stadium will mm-hmm. rival the two or three loudest stadiums in the NFL. And and they'll have the not only just the acoustics and the excitement, they'll have the added benefit of having their football dreams suppressed yes. for decades yes. and then being able to release it to say, we're we're here, we're here, and we're to be contended with. Uh, it, it's going to be something special, assuming that it that it keeps rolling there in the Motor City. Can't wait to watch it and show it to all of you on NFL Red Zone. I totally agree with you. Um, so we have a stat here. 53% of Red Zone opportunities are turning into touchdowns this year. That is the right. lowest through six weeks since 2011. Yeah. This has been a bad offensive year quarterback rating is down lowest since 2017 yards per completion down lowest ever um last year by the way was second lowest ever um it's a bad year for offense as someone who specializes in just calling red zone i mean trying to just call red zone type plays and you want excitement down there has it been the worst year ever for you, Scott? Are, are we seeing a level of offensive futility inside the 20 you haven't seen in a long time? Yeah. Um, I mean, look, we're 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 not even to the halfway point of the season, so I can't brand it that just yet. And to your first statement, which is, hey, it's like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's good. <laughs> like, like I have a hard time saying, ah, this is this stinks. This is awful. I, I right. acknowledge that the offensive football is not only not crisp right now, we've seen a lot of bad offensive football. Yeah. Now you can always flip that to the other side and say, hey, defenses are playing as well as they've been playing in, in recent years. But I, I do think there is something to the the way the NFL has engineered the sport. And I don't even mean just the rules on the field during the 60 minutes, but I mean the the collective bargaining agreement. What we have seen in recent years when 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 they have gone to the to the bargaining table, and again, we're in the middle of a 10-year CBA, so it, it's been a little while. The owner said to the players, we want to keep as much of the profits as possible. We know we're, we're, we're sharing the revenue with you, but we want to keep as much. What can we give back to you? And a lot of the answers apparently seem to have been less training camp practices, mm-hmm. less padded practices, less time in the film room, less less this, less that, making their their dated, the players' day-to-day lives and, and off-season lives a little more palatable for them. Yes. Well, that 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 has to, you got to pay that piper somewhere. And I think maybe it's the dip in the offensive production. Um, and it's a quarterback-driven league, and we've had we've had elite quarterbacks leave mm-hmm. the sport in recent years, but there's always an influx of new talent. Um we, we, if this maintains, it'll be a bummer, but I'm not ready to brand it yet that it's that it's just terrible. We were doing the math the other day, and we're still on pace for over a thousand touchdowns on NFL red zone. So, and that's our threshold, even with the 17th game having been added in recent years, if we hit a thousand touchdowns or more, that's a, that's a, that's a good offensive season. And when you, when you put it in that perspective to the average fan who is watching and listening this show right now, or NFL red zone, if I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you stay with me from week one to week 18, and you're going to see over a thousand touchdowns live or seconds after they happen. Most people would probably take that. 
we have to make this like a charity drive. We have to get to 1,000 touchdowns. Yeah. Just yeah. save Scott Hansen. Save the Maybe red zone thermometer, A thermometer in the studio that, that like, you know, fills up <laughs> yeah. as we get to 1,000. Okay, like good. musical acts in between, just like the drive. We'll have a phone bank and like Aaron Rodgers can, can man nice. it because he's not playing right now. We have a lot of options here to get to 1,000 touchdowns. You think on your feet. I like that. I like uh, we'll get there. We'll, 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 we'll make some graphics here. Um, we'll make a social video. Um, what is the most frustrating? We've talked about this before over email, but like when you're watching a red zone team and I want to do the flip side here in a second, well, what, what is a good red zone team and what is a good quarterback and who you like calling and stuff like that. But the most frustrating thing for you, you've said uh, to me in the past is a team that just gets down there, gets to the 18 yard line and you have to show them because nobody else is down there and they just do nothing. And they, they, they run the ball into the middle of uh, the middle of the, uh, the, the line, nothing happens. It gets frustrating. Like, can you describe the most frustrating experience for you as a person calling these games when these offenses get down there and just have no ideas. Yeah. So you get a first down to the, let's just say the the 18 yard line. Yes. And there are a couple of teams and it, and it shifts year by year based upon who's quarterbacking the team, who's coaching that team, who's calling the plays, the personnel, of course, but there are, there, there are always those teams that, get first and 10 from the 18. Okay, let's go to wherever. And we're in the red zone right now. Uh, and they they go two-yard gain, false start, <laughs> five-yard gain, 15-yard gain, first and goal, yeah. oh, holding penalty. Yeah. It yeah. we're, we're starting all over again. <laughs> we go when we, the NFL red zone staff, yeah. make a choice. Okay, we got this team in the red zone, and a lot of times we'll have two or three in the red zone. If there's more than three, we let's say there's four at the same time, which is rare, but it does happen, we have to pick two or three to, to be able to go boom, 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 and then we'll just hope the other one either grinds down or goes quick for a touchdown, which will blend in. So we're making decisions like this. And the worst thing we get is when a team, when, when we pick a team in the red zone, we think within five plays, this ought to be resolved, right? If it's goal to go, it's going to be resolved within four plays yeah. outside of repeated penalties. But we think if someone's inside the 20, it's about five plays, we should have a, a resolution. And of course you can get it in one play, you know, or sometimes it'll take more. When, the, when we get those eight or nine play red zone drives <laughs> it's like dude like let's go either stop them or whatever and then of course invariably they end up kicking a field goal or something like that <laughs> it doesn't give you the emotional payout that you were hoping for while you were showing all these snaps in there so yeah yeah you're all over it from a production standpoint we hate those offenses that get in there and they're like you know, we got other stuff going on. We we refer to it as we've got planes stacking up on the runway. Right? <laughs> we're like air traffic control. And if we're trying to get this one plane yeah. up into the sky so you can say, OK, you know, touchdown Texans or whatever, and they take eight or nine plays, we've got other teams that have been doing stuff that we've got to be able to show you. But we're like, well, eventually we're kind of married to this right now. Let's get a score or a stop one way or another. Is there a team that stands out to you, whether they're current or in the past, where you're just like, okay, these guys again? I I just brought up the Texans. And look, <laughs> the 2023 Texans, Houston fans that are watching this, 
congrats. It looks like you nailed it yes. in the draft. Yes. It looks like you have your franchise quarterback, and you ought to be as thrilled as 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 any team that picked a yeah. quarterback this year or the year before because it looks like you've got your guy, C.J. Stroud. Wow. But the Texans for a number of years when they were yes. in that, they've been in some quarterback wasteland at different times, and it felt like, okay, how long – how long is it going to take, you know, TJ Yates, names, but we know I'll the name them. I'll name it. Brock Osweiler, TJ Yates, all those fellas. How long is it going to take Tom them Savage to, Tom to Savage. push this thing into the end zone from the 18 yard line or to kick a field goal or to get stopped. And invariably it felt like it was, yeah, that was the one that popped into mind, but, but anyone's capable of being that. And it's frustrating. Now Mahomes ain't messing around in the red zone for very long. Uh, the 2023 Miami Dolphins, yes. you better get there quick because they ain't going to be in the red zone very long. They're going in. Completely agree. I completely yeah. agree. Um, yeah. I had a uh, a conversation earlier this week with someone, and I was I was laughing about it because there's a couple of ominous things you can say um, that kind of indicate if you say, "Hey, we don't normally show punts on this," or you know, there's some guy standing on the five yard line ready to see for a punt, you kind of know something bad's about to happen. And I'm curious what your strategy on tells are when you know, obviously, yeah. you see a play, it's out of the ordinary, it's not someone at the four yard line, it's just you, you can't give it up. But on the other hand, someone sees the commanders, you know, backed up to their own goal line, and you're saying. Uh-oh, this can't be good. How do you navigate that, Scott Hanson? Yeah, okay, so the way our producers, uh, Brian Nettles, McEnroe Francis, our coordinating producer, Alan Flowers, the way we do this is, uh, let's just take the punt side of that question there. If if we show a team in punt formation, there's only one of two reasons. Mm-hmm. Either every other game is in commercial break, and we refer to that in, in my earpiece, they tell me, well, we're going to eat the punt in the Packers game. We got to eat the punt, meaning we got to show it because there's, there literally is nowhere else to go right now. We're not going to, we don't show commercials, of course. So that's the only reason you would see a punt or something substantial happened, meaning right. it's either going to be, you know, a, a block punt. It's going to be a muffed punt. It's going to be a big punt return. Or occasionally we like to give, you know, the, the special teams lovers in the audience their flowers and say, Hey, here's a 55 yard coffin corner punt that went out of, yeah. out of bounds at the two yard yeah. line. Let's show that in, That's, in, in case, in case Bill Belichick's watching at home. Yeah. Yeah. Bill needs to be watching his own film these days, not <laughs> but, but that's a, a, a neither here nor there. Uh, yeah. So, so my, my thought on tells is this a lot of times if I'm cutting to a game and it's at midfield, let's say there's yeah. a team in the red zone. But I go, oh, all of a sudden, uh, the Niners, here, here's the Niners on a second and three from the 50, okay? And, and it ends up being a Christian McCaffrey 50-yard touchdown run, right? I know about that beforehand, or I usually do. Um, I, I'm trying not to give anything away, anything away, because, and here's why, I want the audience to experience it as if we just had a remote control and we just yeah. went boop, boop and just hit it. And it's like, whoa, look, at we just got that right there. <laughs> now, some people are like, why do you cut to a game when you already know what happens and and, and act like you don't? And I'm like, well, that's the reason. Because I want the, the, the <laughs> audience to enjoy it as as it happened. So, so yeah, my, my theory on tells is give very little yes. away. But the, but the savvy NFL Red Zone viewer will know when it's punt formation. Yes. Like I just said, one of those two things, either every team's 
in commercial break or at the half or whatever else. Uh, two would be we, you know, we we've got a big play coming, something big happening. Yeah. Maybe even if I don't give it away in a tell, just the fact that we're on that game in a punt yes. might let you know. Yeah, it's impossible not to give anything away because sometimes you can say, "Check out what's going on with the Panthers," and you're like, "Uh oh, I, it's probably not good." I just know what's going on with the Panthers. Yeah. Um, we'll get you out of here on, on this topic. Uh, obviously, like I've done red zone power rankings in the past, and obviously, it's you mentioned the Chiefs. They're usually they've been number one in the Andy Reid era. Is there a player in, over the you know the decade plus you've been doing this that has been the most inner? If you're naming a red zone MVP over your entire tenure, they could be retired. It could be Mahomes. It could be just a guy who just efficiently scores and just gets the job done. So you don't even have to spend that much time on him. You mentioned the the Dolphins this year with Mike McDaniel just getting it done. If you could just name the king of NFL red zone, a player, coach, whomever, one person, who did you give that crown to? I think it's Patrick Mahomes. I think yeah. it's Patrick Mahomes. And keep in mind, NFL Red Zone began in 2009. Yeah. So we still had Brett Favre in the league yep. at that point. So I've seen every quarterback. I, I mean, you can't go wrong with any of the big-name quarterbacks. Uh, but but Patrick Mahomes, I, I don't have a favorite NFL team. But if as I root for offense and touchdowns, so to speak, I'm more confident that – the Kansas City Chiefs are going to score in the red zone from a combination. It's not just Mahomes. Obviously, Mahomes is galactically talented, but it's <laughs> Mahomes and Andy Reid. Man, how they come up with stuff that that we all look at and we're like, oh, wow, look at that concept. Look at that design. Look at that. Look at the way they huddled on this play to try and throw off the defense. I would be more confident that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to score inside of the 20, score a touchdown inside the 20 than any other team probably in the red zone era, maybe one of the Brady teams when yeah. Brady, we caught the end of when Brady still had Wes Welker and, and Randy Moss on that, on that offense. Uh, that team was, was unbelievable in the red zone with the talent and coaching combined this year's Miami dolphins team is special. Uh, you know, if, and when they get Devon Achan back, yeah. the speed is just ridiculous, but if, if they're even in the red zone, if they're even in the right, they might score from the 45. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Is that Tyreek's like, yeah, okay, your red zone show, that's really fun, but I just got it, I just got it 50 yards out and I want to do a backflip in the end zone. So here you go. Uh yeah, but I would say Mahomes. Mahomes yeah. because of Mahomes Kelsey combination, Andy Reid designing things, like they're they've been the red zone kings for the last five to ten years. I completely agree. Scott Hansen, you have literally changed the way we all process football. Thanks so much for coming on This Is Football, man. Kev, great to be with you. Enjoy the rest of the season. Awesome, man. You too.